All right, church, good morning. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Billy, you may have some competition here for long, buddy. I mean, he starts to sing and play an instrument, and it's, uh, it's in a minor key. Amen. And, you know, I was sitting there listening to Austin and, and thinking to myself just a little bit, you know, Austin's like they didn't have modern medicine back in those times, which they didn't. And so I think God knew I needed to be born when I was born because I don't know what I would do without no spray mucinex. Amen. And so I am battling a little bit of a head chest cold, so be praying for me. I promise you we're going to get through this one way or the other because God is good. Amen. And so pray that you have your Bible this morning. Hopefully you got your sermon outlined there in your bulletin as well. you got a pencil and a pen as we work through the Word of God together this morning. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 20 this morning, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, as we celebrate the second week of the Advent season. So the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Now, Billy, I did a little bit of research uh, this week. And according to my research, the late American clergyman, Phillips Brooks, and maybe you've heard of this man, I don't know, wrote the beloved hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. For the Sunday school children at his Philadelphia parish, Holy Trinity Church, following a pilgrimage to Bethlehem in 1865, according to the British hymnologist J.R. Watson, and he goes on to say, the hymn was printed on an informal leaflet in December of 1868, then appeared in the Sunday school hymnal in 1871. So this song has been around for a little while. So maybe many of us here have heard or sang this song countless times during the Christmas season, but did you know that the little old town of Bethlehem had a long history throughout the scripture? It was there that Isaac's son, Jacob, had buried Rachel, his wife. It was there that Ruth had married and met who? Boaz. It was there that Samuel anointed David as the second king of Israel. It was the prophet Micah that prophesied that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Savior. And so this little insignificant town whose name means house of bread was known for its fertile countryside. But little did they know that the king of kings, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, would be born on the poor side of town, not fit for a king to be born in. This little insignificant town known as the House of Bread, now watch this, would be known forever as the birthplace to the one that would be known as what? The Bread of Life. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and would bring peace in a spiritual manner which mankind's soul was and is still starving for this very day. But the question is this, what kind of peace are you looking for? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever looked in the mirror? Have you ever got up one Monday morning getting ready to start out the new work week? Have you ever looked at at yourself and thought to yourself, you know what, what kind of peace am I going after? What kind of peace am I searching for? 
What kind of peace do I want for myself? What kind of peace do I want for my family? What kind of peace do I want for my children? What kind of peace is finally going to sustain me and make me happy? And I don't mean just for a day. I don't mean just for a week. I don't mean just for a basketball season in the state of Kentucky. Amen? But what kind of peace is in this world today that once you have it, you what? You have it. So the question is, what kind of peace are we looking for? And is the peace that Jesus offers, is it enough for us? Is it enough for you? Is it enough for people that are living in the year of 2021? Let's look at the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Listen to the Word. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken. Wachanarius was the governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, what is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was child. So while they were there, the Bible says the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, laid him in the manger, because there was no room in the what? In the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out on the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were scared to death. The Bible says terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, I believe in a calming voice, don't you? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is the Christ, the Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel multitude a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, and what a conversation it must have been. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then to see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. They found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there's the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds went back. And what did they do? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you for the time we've already had in our small groups this morning. What a blessing that that was. Father, thank you for the music this morning. Thank you for Brother Billy. Thank you for the choir. Thank you for all the O's that have been singing, played an instrument this morning. Lord, we just thank you so much that we have people that are willing to use their gifts. And Father, now as we come to your word, Father, this is your sermon. 
Father God, I pray that you open up the hearts that are here today. Lord, those that are listening at home or wherever they may be, Father, there is a peace in this world that we are missing so much. God, we run after so many things. Father, we run after money, we run after fame, we run after popularity. And Father, the only thing that's endearing, the only thing that's everlasting, is you and our relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray this morning if there are hearts that are here that are hurting. Father, I pray this morning if there's families that are here that are hurting because, Lord, they've been running after something that's not given them fulfillment. Father, may the Spirit, Lord, just dwell richly this morning. Father, may your presence be, be known, Lord. And, Father, we pray to see you work in a great way today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. Now, in the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, we see the emperor Augustus had issued a decree that a census would be taken of the whole Roman Empire. So Quirinius, the governor of Syria, was the overseer of the land of Palestine. And so the command was given that everyone would go to his or her place to be registered so an account could be given. And so here's Mary, she's pregnant with baby Jesus and Joseph, and they set out for Bethlehem since Joseph, the Bible tells us, was in the lineage of David. Now the trip was only about 75 to 80 miles, which in today's standards would take a little bit over an hour, hour and a half to get there by car. But in those days, there were no cars. In those days, there were no ATVs, SUVs, Amen. In those days, getting from one place to the other meant that you either walked by foot or maybe you had a what? You had a donkey. And so many people believe that it probably took Mary and Joseph at least five to ten days to travel all of these miles to Bethlehem. And as they arrived in Bethlehem, they soon found there was no room in the what? Motel 8 was full. He didn't even leave the light on for them. Amen? Everywhere they looked, there was no room in the inn. And so the Prince of Peace would have to be born amongst the animals in a lowly stable. And he was wrapped and he was placed in a what? In a manger. Then in verses 8 through 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And the Bible says they were scared to what? They were terribly frightened. I can only imagine their fear. These shepherds were probably huddled next to a fire to keep watching, to try to keep warm as they were watching their flock. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears saying to them, don't be what? Don't be afraid. Yeah, I see you every day. There's an angel standing right in front of me. There's an angel that has appeared right here in front of me. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, a great joy. And it's for all what? It's for all people. For today in the city of David, there's been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you know much about the shepherds, then you know they were not high. They were not mighty. They were not considered the upper class, the middle class, or even the lower class in terms of social rank. Matter of fact, the only people lower than the shepherds in this point in Jewish history were the lepers. So how could the little old town of Bethlehem possibly house a baby? that would bring hope and peace and joy and love to these lowly shepherds that were looked down upon, that were isolated, manipulated, living with animals, 
smelled like animals, and just did not fit in with the rest of society. Is it possible that over 2,000 years ago, a baby born in a small, insignificant town, housed in a manger among the animals, gave all people of all colors, of all backgrounds, of all social standings, the loved, the unloved, the lowest of the low, the self-esteemed highest of highs, did this child come offering a peace the world had never what? Had known. Many people believe that peace today is something that has to be purchased. That it's only for the strong. That it's only for the powerful. That it's only for those that have. There's no way that peace can come to those that struggle. There's no way that peace can come to those who people consider lowly and those that don't fit into society. There's no way that true peace is actually something that we can't buy, but it was given freely, the Bible says, over 2,000 years ago. So this morning, as we start this sermon outline, I want to share with you what it takes to have true peace of Christ this Christmas season by emphasizing four points. And the first point is this. His peace came to those who would do what? Listen and fear what? And fear not. That would listen and fear not. Verses 10 and 11. The angels told the shepherds, don't be what? Don't be afraid. And if the shepherds had decided to flee the scene that night instead of listening to the good news that the angel of the Lord was about to bring, they would have missed out on the most important event in their what? In their lives. Because the angel went on to say, I bring you good news, a great joy. It's for all people to today in the city of David. There has been born for you a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now church, listen to me real quick. Every year, people continue to fear the peace that Jesus can bring. Each year, people hear the gospel of good news and great joy that's for all people, but they continue to avoid the peace that only Jesus can bring. But watch this. They sing the carols. They typically bow as we pray. They enjoy the warm feeling of being in a church around the Christmas holidays. Can I tell you why people fear the peace that Jesus can bring? Church, I want to tell this to you this morning. People are afraid because they don't want to submit their lives to God. This is what a lot of it is about. We're so used to paving our own way in this selfish world that we're scared to death of what God might do in our lives of what God might do in our families. We're, we're so scared that Christ may change what we think, the way that we love, the, the way that we act, so it's just easier not to think about Jesus. We're scared to death if we submit to God, then we'll have to submit to the church. And, and, and you know, we can't have the church trying to rearrange our what? Our schedules. We can't have the church telling us what's important for us. We can't have the church telling us what's important for our families. We can't have the church telling us what's important for our kids by any means. So I want to ask you a question. 
Are you ready? If fear caused the shepherds to tune out the angels' announcement that a Savior had been born just for them, what peace would they have truly had? A worldly peace. I think the same question holds true today. People are going to hear about Jesus, his birth, but their fear will make them turn and what? They'll run. And the peace that they're longing for will have to be renewed ever so often to fulfill that for which they're starving for. There's a lot of things in this life that we believe can bring us peace. Am I right, church? I want you to think about a few this morning. I'm going to step on a few toes. I hope you wore your steel toes. Come on, are you ready? What are some things in this life that we think is going to bring us peace? Our hobbies, our family, maybe work, maybe Friday and Saturday night with the boys or the girls, sports, travel sports, which now 8 to 14-year-old kids start in February, and they don't even end now until November. Come on. And many of these things are great. But I'm going to ask you something. Can that kind of peace sustain you and your family? Can it sustain you? Can hobbies sustain you? Can work sustain you? Can money and fame, materialism, jumping from one relationship to the next, travel sports, can all these things, can they sustain a peace that's within you? See, we're always wanting what? We're always wanting more. And looking back on the birth and looking ahead to Christ's second coming also reminds us that number two this morning in your outline is this. His peace came for those who what? Who seek. His peace came for those who seek the Savior. Verse 12, the angel said, this is a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a what? Lying in a manger. This is the point of the story where they could have listened and then they could have turned what? They could have turned away, but they didn't because the peace of Jesus comes to those who not only listen and overcome their uncertainties, but to those who genuinely seek a what? A Savior. The angel told them what to look for. It's going to be an easy sign, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So the angel gave them a very simplistic seek and find because let's be honest, how many babies were lying in a manger where animals lived in Bethlehem. How many babies were born for all people? That's right. Just what? Just one. I hear people today say, Pastor, if God would only give me a sign, then I'd believe. So I'm thinking to myself, and, and I want to say, are you telling me because you weren't there is the reason that you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible also says this, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet what? 
believe. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. And then the Bible also tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will fess Jesus Christ as what? It Lord. Whether you realize it or not, you may be here today and you may be agnostic, you may be atheist, you may be here today and you're thinking to yourself, Brother Donnie, I don't buy it, it's fictional, it's a, it's a mythical story, it's all made up. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, if you're listening to these words today, there's going to come a time when the old heart stops beating, there's going to come a time when the old lungs start breathing, and you're going to breathe your last breath, and you're going to wake up, and you're going to wake up in a purgatory, you're going to wake up, and you're either going to be in the presence of God, or you're going to be in in the presence of an ungod, and what that means is you're either going to spend eternity with the God of creation or you're going to spend eternity in hell. Brother Donnie, you're scaring me. That's not the intention. The intention is to tell the truth. And Jesus said, The truth will set you what? Now, we don't want to preach about heaven, and we don't want to preach about hell because it's not politically correct, and I may hurt someone's feelings, or I may step on someone's toes, or I'm not going to apologize. Heaven and hell is as real as your person sitting right next to you today. It is your choice. What you choose in this life. You want to run after fame. You want to run after glory. You want to run after ball. You want to run after everything that this life throws at you. You go right ahead because I'm going to tell you I've done a lot of those things. And it never sustains. You always want what? More and more and more. You want real peace this Christmas? The Bible says, listen to God. It says, seek his guidance. The major problem for many Christians face is when it comes to peace that, that once we get saved, the seeking comes to a screeching what? It comes to a halt. For many Christians, once they, once they get saved and they feel like, well, that's all I needed, Brother Donnie, I've got my heavenly ticket. But the daily cross picking up, no, I don't need that. The Bible study in the prayer, I don't need that. Being committed to a church family, nah, I don't need that. It's coming more and more popular. But for some odd reason, we have in the back of our mind that we have accomplished everything that we need spiritually because we sought Him for that heavenly assurance. And in the back of our minds, we're telling ourselves, that's all I want. That's all that I need. Church, can I tell you this morning, Jesus did not save you for you to be a half-hearted Christian. Christ saved us because we're part of the Great Commission. We're to build each other up. We're to evangelize. We're to share our testimonies. We're to build up the church, which builds up the kingdom. That's what brings true peace. Amen? That's what it's all about. But a lot of people today, they're saying, Brother Donnie, I don't need Bible study. I don't need fellowship. I don't need Sunday school. I don't need to come on Wednesday night and pray. I don't need to even come to the church because everybody says the church is not the building. It's the people, and we don't need to assemble. That's old school thinking. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, hear me today. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, do not stop, what? Meeting with one a... Uh, 
another. If you have been given a gift by God, you've been saved, the Holy Spirit lives within each and every one of you. If you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that means you have a what? You have a gift that God has given you. Listen to me. And He did not give it to you for you. He gave it to you for all of them. Oh, I don't need this though, preacher. I come in, you step on my toes. I just want to hear the good stuff. I just want to feel better about myself. We'll turn on somebody on TV. False prophets are everywhere, brothers and sisters. Amen. Sometimes we need to have that kitchen rearranged. Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need to step out on faith. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves, Brother Donnie, the God, God is right. This, this, what I'm hearing is right. I've been chasing after all these things. But the only time that I ever feel true peace is when my relationship with God is maturing. When I'm learning. When I'm growing. See, we may listen and we may seek Him, but we also need to understand number three is this. His peace came to those on whom his what? His favor rests. Now, I'm going to explain this. The angels recognized the glory and the majesty of God by giving praise to him in the highest. Now, you may recognize this hymn. It's called what, Brother Billy? Gloria in Excelsis Deo. But what kind of peace were the angels referring to? The angels were referring to a peace that's only found through the blessings that come from Jesus Christ as one's personal what? Savior. And not only did the angels recognize him by giving him praise, but they also knew that the peace would only come to those with whom he is pleased. Now your Bible may say goodwill or on whom his favor what? Rest. Had true peace finally come to all people? Had the Father made a way even for the lowly of the low? Had God made a way to place peace in the hearts and actions of all humankind? But how could this peace be accomplished just through a little bitty tiny baby Jesus laying in a what? In a manger. Well, guess what, church? Baby Jesus grew up. Amen? Baby Jesus preached forgiveness. Amen. Baby Jesus preached salvation. He preached love unto men. He gave his life on the cross. And the Bible says three days later he rose from the what? He rose from the dead. Baby Jesus didn't stay baby very long. British theologian C.S. Lewis once said, A car is made to run on petrol, gasoline. Oh, what C.S. Lewis didn't know about 2021. Amen. And it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on Himself. God, He Himself is the fuel for our spirits. We were designed to be born, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. He said there is no other. God cannot give us happiness and a peace apart from Himself because it is not there. He says, closing, there is no such thing. Peace without God. See, once we listen, once we accept Him as our Savior and true peace, then we also understand, number four this morning, is this. His peace came for those that take what? That take action. And what kind of action are we talking about, Pastor? Action to spread the good what? 
spread the good news, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem. They had a hunger. It's just like you all, when we close the day, let's run straight to Mr. Getty's. Let's run straight to the KFC, amen? we got to get there. We're on a mission. My body is hungry, Brother Donnie. You've got to hurry up and get this going and get closed. They looked at the situation. They said, let's, let's don't take no more time. Let's what? Let's go. They couldn't wait to see the Savior. No more obstacles, no more excuses. God had made that night especially for them. And for who? For us. They made known the statement which was shared with them about the Christ child. They couldn't contain it. The good news, the great joy in which they had been told, it was bubbling up within their hearts and it had became infectious. And this is why Jesus told them, the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, go into the world and make disciples of all what? Of all nations. See, I believe when Jesus comes into our heart, we don't have no choice. We want to spread his love. We want to tell people about the actions. We want to tell people openly what Jesus has done, what he continues to do for each and every one of us. When's the last time you shared your personal testimony? Come on. When's the last time that you shared with someone what Jesus has done in your life? Now, if you haven't been saved yet this morning, then you still have a testimony that's yet to be written. Amen? But the choice is there. The option is there. See, I believe when we share our testimony, it lets, out a, it lets out a blessing within us that can't be contained. There's something about sharing your testimony that it just absolutely just bubbles up inside of you and you feel like that you can just float. Amen? But that's because the Holy Spirit lives within who? The Holy Spirit lives within you. They went back glorifying, praising God for all they had heard, all they had seen. That night, they didn't just see a baby lying in a lowly manger there in Bethlehem, but they saw their salvation. They saw their hope. They saw their peace. They saw their joy. They saw the love. They saw someone that would love them unconditionally. I can only imagine the peace they experienced that night as they walked away glorifying and praising God. I can make you a promise this morning. When you meet the Savior, when you embrace the Savior for who He truly is, praise and worship will exude from your body. Amen? That cannot be contained because the Holy Spirit that God has sealed you with wants to tell the what? He wants to tell the world. When I was 11 years old, I made peace with Jesus. I got saved. And my family has the peace of knowing that if something happens to me, I am in the best hands that I could ever be. Does your family have that peace for you? Do you have that peace for you? Many will never experience peace this Christmas season because they don't experience salvation that comes from Jesus. 
They'll continue to try and solve all their problems themselves. They'll continue to con- convince themselves that peace and happiness, well, it comes from a little piece of green paper. They'll continue to tell themselves that peace is something that they can't invent or they can't sustain. They will tell themselves that Christmas really is just about the gifts under the what? The tree. Peace this Christmas will elude those who continue to deny Jesus as their Savior. Church, let me ask you, what peace can you have with the things of this world? What peace can you have with the things of this world? The Bible tells you this. It tells me this. 1 Timothy 6, 7. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing what? We can take nothing with us. We can't take any of this stuff with us. A lot of things happen in this world that we may not be able to have control over, right? Come on. How many times has something happened to you in this world that you had no control over? Think about it. Things that hurt. Things that bring pain. Things that bring confusion. Things that bring anger. But the one thing we can have control over is if we choose to know Jesus. If we choose to grow in Jesus. And if we choose to tell others about Jesus. Maybe being honest with ourselves spiritually. This Christmas season could be a new beginning. A peace for each and every one of us. Are we listening for Jesus? Are we seeking Jesus? Do we have the assurance that his favor rests upon us? Are we experiencing his peace by spreading the what? By spreading the gospel. Now this Christmas season, there's going to be a lot of things that we do for our families that we think, well, it'll bring them what? It'll bring them peace. You want to give your family the best gift that you could ever give them this Christmas season? Let them know that you're saved. Don't make them look at a don't 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 make them look at a baptism card that's sitting on your wall from 1985. They need to see Jesus in you. And if they are not seeing Jesus in you, can't today be a new day? Can't you start over today? What are you waiting on? This is your time. This is your altar. You want peace? Or you want to just keep looking for that present? Because I got news for you. That present about a month later, you're just going to throw it what? Throw it to the side. You want true peace. Brothers and sisters, this morning as Billy comes and he sings, this is your invitation This is your altar. Will you stand with us this morning?